1742, Charles Wesley wrote a hymn, and he called the title, uh, Gentle Jesus, Meek and Mild. I want to tell you that he did not base the title of that song on our text today. Uh, our text today is in John chapter 2. And uh, in John chapter 2, uh, Jesus cleanses the temple. Uh, it is what is referred to as the cleansing of the temple. I understand the adult Sunday school class is also going through the book of John right now. And uh, you're a little further ahead and probably won't catch up with you. But uh, uh, Brother Barr says, well, maybe you can straighten them out after I've finished with it. <laughs> so, uh, I'm sure Brother DeBarr is doing a fantastic job. A few times I was in his class. He's really a great teacher. And I, I didn't know what the, Sunday, the adult Sunday school class is based on because our literature is different. But uh, um, we come in, to uh, this event, the life of Jesus in John chapter 2. It's an event that happened many years ago. And you may think uh, it's really not relevant today. Uh, but I think as we make our way through this passage of Scripture... Uh, in John chapter 2, that the rel relevance of this passage will become obvious to us. Uh, would you stand for the reading of the scriptures this morning in John chapter 2? This morning we're going to begin at verse number 12. The Bible says, After this he went down to Capernaum, he and his mother and his brethren and his disciples, and they continued there not many days. And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables and said unto them that sold doves, Take these things hence. Make not my father's house an house of merchandise. And his disciples remembered that it was written, The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, What sign so showest thou unto us, seeing that thou doest these things? Jesus answered and said unto him, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in building, and wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body, when therefore he was risen from the dead. His disciples remembered that he had said this unto them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. Now when he was at, in Jerusalem at the Passover, in the feast day, many believed in his name. When they saw the miracles which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men. And needed not that any should testify of man. For he knew what was in man. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you Lord for this day. We thank you Lord for the blessings of it. Thank you Lord for our, our veterans and for this country, for this nation. Dear Lord, we're so thankful that um, this nation was founded on godly principles. Lord, we know we've strayed as a nation from those principles. But dear Lord, I just pray that you would help bring us back. 
help us to restore this nation to uh, the, the, the type of nation it was when we founded this nation. And you, Lord, we know that this country has been blessed by you, and we pray that you'll continue to bless and protect. And, uh, just, and as we deal with this passage of Scripture today, I pray to you, Lord, that you would help us all to see that sometimes our, our lives get cluttered with stuff that doesn't matter. And I just pray to you, Lord, that, that we will listen to your Spirit as you speak to us today, that we might allow you to clean us today. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do and what you're going to do today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. May be seated. All four of the Gospels record uh, this event, Jesus cleansing the, the, the temple, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, record this event at the end of Jesus' ministry. And John records it at the beginning of the, or early in his ministry at, at, uh, uh, in the ministry of our Lord. There's some debate about whether they're talking about the same event. Uh, but it seems that there may have been two events like this where Jesus goes into the temple and clears the temple of the money changers. What we see in this passage of Scripture is that is the Lord with eyes of fury. Uh, Jesus walks into the temple and he does what no one else could imagine someone would do. He challenges them on their religious practices. Jesus does what most likely no other Jew would have done. Jesus did what we would never do. And that is, we would never go into someone else's church services and disrupt it and tell them, you're doing it all wrong. You've got it wrong. You've missed the point. We would never do that. And yet, that's what Jesus did, because here, Jesus has a passion for truth. Jesus has a passion for those who are being taken advantage of in the name of religion. Jesus has left his friends and traveled from the city of Capernaum in Galilee to the capital city of Israel, and he is in the courtyard of his father's house in Jerusalem. We see Jesus here in the role of a prophet. He's with the, the voice of a, a prophet. Jesus challenged us concerning our religion. Are we just going through the motions? Is it just about our comfort? Is it just about doing the things we prefer to do them? Or are we really coming together in our pursuit of God? I want you to notice three truths from this text this morning. And the first one is the arrival of Jesus. Look at verses 12 and 13. These verses are not here for logistical reasons. John is telling us how Jesus got from Capernaum to the temple in Jerusalem. He's telling us what Jesus found there leading up to the Passover feast. And it tells us about two powerful things. When Jesus leaves Capernaum and comes to Jerusalem... He finds the city has swelled to over 2 million people. People are everywhere. There will be enough lambs killed on this day that the blood of those animals 
would run from Temple Mount all the way to the Dead Sea. There were people everywhere. There's bleeding of the sheep. There's the cooing of the doves. There's a lot of activity, a lot of religious activity. But here's what Jesus wants us to see. Here's what he saw when he went into the temple that day. The first thing he saw was that they had religion, but they did not have redemption. As this text unfolds, we need to pay attention to every word here. The Bible says it was the Passover of the Jews. So Jesus comes to the Passover. Do you remember the Passover? Uh, the Passover was that high day, that religious day where the Jews remembered when the children of Israel were coming, were, were, uh, were in bondage in Egypt. And God said to them, they are to kill a lamb. You're to catch the blood in a basin or a bowl and, and take a little green bush, a, a, a hyssop, uh, and, and dip it into the blood. And, and, and paint the doorpost on your doors. And he says, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Amen. And from that time on, they would have served that Passover to remind them that they were once slaves. But now they are free. Amen. To remind them that God did something for them that they could not do themselves. It was a day of thanksgiving of God. It was a day of worship to God. Because God had worked in their history. God had done something in their lives. You know, when you read the Bible, it's interesting. The times that God gives His people a figure. Or a picture. A pile of rocks. To help us remember we have short-term short memory when it comes to spiritual issues. So God says that I want you to remember this event so that generations to come will remember that I did for you what no one else could do for you. You know, we have short-term memories. Some of our memories are shorter than others. <laughs> so we gather together every once in a while. We prepare some unleavened bread, buy some fruit of the vine, and we remember the death of our Savior. It is meant to remind us of what we were and what we are now because of the shed blood of Jesus. So Jesus is there on Temple Mount, and he comes to the court of the Gentiles, and there's a crowd of people there who are busy, it's noisy. Uh, there's activity. There are all kinds of things going on there. And Jesus comes. And, and by the way, I, I think we see a big difference between religion and redemption. Listen, in religion, you come to God. In redemption, God comes to you. And, and, and do you see the irony here? Do you see the irony? They are observing the Passover. And John the Baptist has already introduced Jesus as they were passing by. John is preaching and he says, Behold the Lamb. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Jesus on the temple, of, on temple mount on the day of Passover. And he said, I'm your Passover. 
I'm sure I, 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 I'm the one who can redeem you and set you free from the bondage of sin. This is the Lamb that takes away the sins of the world. But you know what? They didn't know it. They didn't see it. They didn't, they didn't care because they were too wrapped up in their own religion. They didn't want anybody messing with it. Leave us alone. Can't you see that we're doing our religious duty? Can't you see that we're involved in our religion? And the whole time they were involved in the religion, they missed the true Lamb of God, the Redeemer. You think that would happen today? That people would get so involved in their rituals? That people would get so involved in their tradition? That they would get so involved in their denomination? That they would miss Jesus, the Redeemer? So Jesus comes to the Temple Mount. He's the Lamb of God, but they don't know it. They don't see it. Their religion has blinded their eyes. Maybe today, you're one that is religious. You put a lot of stock in your religion. You put a lot of confidence in your religion. Let me tell you today that religion takes no one to heaven. Only the blood of Jesus takes people to heaven. You can be one of the most religious person in the country or even the state. But if you die without Jesus, you go to hell. The only people who don't go to hell are those who have been washed in the blood of Jesus. By faith, accepted Him as their Redeemer. Don't let your religion keep you from Jesus. Don't let your religion blind you from the truth and the reality that Jesus Christ is the Redeemer. There's a second thing I want us to see from our text. Not only did Jesus arrive in Jerusalem, but I want you to notice the anger of Jesus. I know this seems kind of odd, doesn't it? We normally see Jesus and little children are sitting on His lap. We usually see Jesus as he kneels down at the bed of a young girl who has died. We usually see Jesus as he turns the water into wine like last week and does miracles. He's ministering, he's helping, he's involved, he's doing something, but, but not here. Not here. He's not healing anybody. He's not bringing anybody back from the dead. He's not teaching a message. Instead, our Lord is filled with rage. Can I tell you this? It's violent. It's not pretty. This is not a Sunday school picnic when we, everyone sits around the fire and sings Kumbaya. It's real. It's intense. You see, Jesus... As he comes into the court of the Gentiles, he observes everything that is happening there, all the activity that's going on there. He sees the money changers. The money changers were there because Jews had come from all over the place to worship on Passover. And they brought currency from the country where they were from. And in order to pay the temple tax, they had to exchange their money for the temple currency. Well, step right up. 
can help you with that. We would be happy to do that for you. But there will be a cost involved in the transaction. The exchange rate is terrible. It's worse than what you find at the international airports today. That was, that was always the worst place to exchange money when we're traveling, when we were traveling all the time. Don't ever change money in the airport. Wait till you go someplace, someplace else outside the airport. They can exchange the money, but the exchange rate was going to be bad. You mean you came to Jerusalem and you didn't bring a lamb? How could you? Being a Jew and present on Temple Mount on Passover day and not have a lamb. Well, we've traveled a long way and we have uh, had no way to bring a lamb with us. We would have, he would have been in bad shape by the time we got here. He wouldn't have been worthy to offer to God. We don't, we don't know what to do. We want to worship God. Well, we're here to help you out. I can hear Mr. Haney's voice about right here. <laughs> Not everybody knows who Mr. Haney is, but some of you do. <laughs> we can help you out with that. We just happen to have a pen uh, out back that has some lambs in it. So you go back there and pick one out and we'll sell it to you. It's going to cost you about four times the normal rate, but we'll help you out. Do you want to worship God? We'll just see how much you want to worship God. Uh, get out your bag of silver coins and let's make a deal. And Jesus sees people who have a desire to worship God and they're being taken advantage of. Jesus sees people who have traveled a long way to do what they believe is in compliance with the Word of God. But He also sees people whose hearts are corrupt. Jesus sees people whose motives are not right. They're not there to worship God. They're there to make money. They're not there to exalt the name of God. They're there to make money. It's like shopping uh, for that elusive popular toy a week before Christmas. And you find it on eBay for about ten times the original cost. So Jesus comes on the scene at the temple and look what the Bible says in verse 15. And when he had made a scourge of small cords... You can see the hands of our Lord as He takes the material and He begins to tie it and weave it together. The Bible says He had made a scourge of small cords. He drove them all out of the temple. And the sheep and the oxen and poured out the, the changers' money and overthrew the tables. Listen, this is not a mild outburst. Let me ask you a question. Does it concern you a little bit when we use the words like violent and outburst to Jesus? If that bothers you, let me give you another one that may bother you even more. Wrath. The book of Revelation chapter 6, the Bible talks about the wrath of the Lamb. And here's what we need to understand about the anger of the Lord. This is what we need to 
need to understand about the wrath of the Lamb. That it is not like our human anger. It's not like a human outburst or uh, even the anger of the Lord is holy anger. It's a godly anger. Ephesians 4.26 says, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. Anger sometimes causes us to say things that we, we shouldn't. There's no sin in the anger of the Lord. His actions are just. His actions are righteous. There's no iniquity involved in the wrath of our Lord. It is always a holy and righteous wrath. But I will say that our Lord is a Lord of wrath as much as He is a Lord of love. A while back, Presbyterian Church USA, different type of Presbyterians that we don't, we don't know a whole lot about. But several years ago, the Presbyterian Church excluded a popular song, In Christ Alone, from their newest hymnal. You know why they excluded that song, In Christ Alone, from their hymnal? They wanted to change the line of the song that said, Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. They said, we don't like that. We want to take that part out. They said, we, they wanted to change the words to the love of God was magnified. Instead of the wrath of God was satisfied. Fortunately, the writer of the song said, no, we won't change it. Presbyterian church may not be comfortable with the wrath of God. Others may not like the wrath of God, but, but the problem is that is exactly what the Word of God teaches. So look down at verse number 16. It says, And he said unto them that sold doves, Take these things hence, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. This was the temple. It was a sacred place. This is where people came to meet with God. This is where they came to worship their God. And instead of making it a sacred place, they made it a shopping center. Instead of making it a place where they could meet with God, they used it as a business. Then in verse number 17, it says, And his disciples remembered that it was written, The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Jesus was zealous for the things of God. Jesus got angry when people were being taken advantage of. When they were trying to worship God. Unfortunately, we live in a day when we get angry about a lot of stuff that really doesn't matter. We got a bill this week from a website domain uh, for our website domain name. It was over $200. Something just didn't seem right. So we looked it up and seen what we paid last year. Last time we paid it was like $35. It was for two years. It's not even due until March the 20th, uh, March 2020. Somebody was trying to scam us. Uh, we get angry at a lot of stuff really that doesn't matter. Listen, Orlando traffic can be bad. Amen? Yeah. Tanya and I used to drive in Bucharest and, uh, in Romania and we learned quickly that the purpose for the fast lane and the purpose of the slow lane 
There's a purpose for them. And even though the law says you're supposed to stay on the right if you're driving slower, people insist on going slow in the fast lane. It drives us nuts. <laughs> we get angry. But it really doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. We, are all, we all experience road rage from time to time, but, but people will go to a dead service at a Baptist church somewhere and fold their arms and be unaffected that nobody seems to care. Nobody seems to be interested in worship. What about the anger over your football team? But we're not angry over how religion is extorting people right here in America. I tried to talk to somebody, I talked to somebody this week who was really having, having a tough time with their marriage. They said they went and talked to their pastor at the church where they were attending. The first thing the pastor did is he got this book out and examined what their tithing habits were. You know, I have an idea that we can't really be Christians if we, if the things that made our Lord angry don't make us angry. Don't we think we ought to suppress our pride, get over our selfishness and have a heart for the, of the Lord? To have the same feelings that our Lord had concerning these types of issues? Not over who won or lost an election? But to have a heart for those people who are being exploited by their religion? Our Lord was angry when these people were being taken advantage of. And it was done in the name of God. As the story goes on, Jesus has come to Jerusalem. He sees what's going on. He uh, upsets the religious apple cart. Sometimes we need ours upset also, don't we? Sometimes. It, it, it gets a little too human-minded rather than godly-minded. Sometimes our apple cart gets to be a little more about us than it is about Jesus. Sometimes we want to be in the spotlight and not let Jesus be in the spotlight. When we get there, it's time for someone to come and clean house. Nobody can clean house like the Lord Jesus. There's a final thing that we see in this story. After Jesus does this, notice his authority, the authority of Jesus. It's interesting to me how they questioned him after Jesus did this. The question wasn't, why did you do this? I, I can't help but think that they didn't ask why you did this because they knew in their hearts that they were doing what they were doing there in the temple was wrong. You didn't come to the uh, you don't come to the house of God to do that. You come to the house of God to worship. You come to the house of God to pray, not to exploit, not to take advantage of people. So they didn't ask why did you do that. But look at verse number 18. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, What sign showest thou unto us, seeing that thou doest these things? Then Jesus answered in verse 19, 
And, and his answer is kind of cryptic. Uh, he, he says, uh, he said, destroy this temple and in three days I will rise it, raise it up. And the Jews didn't understand that answer and said, well, 40 and 6 years was this temple in building. They're talking about Herod's temple. And wilt thou rear it up in three days? They'd asked, what sign will you show? Jesus said, I'm going to be raised from the dead. John pointed out clearly that the temple that Jesus was talking about was not the beautiful temple that Herod had built there on Temple Mount, but it was his body. He said, you can destroy this body. That's the crucifixion. And I'll build it back in three days. That's the resurrection. Wait a minute. What does this have to do with what Jesus did in the temple? Is there a connection between the action and the response? Well, to those Jews who were there that have an understanding of the Scriptures, they would know what it said in Malachi 3 and 1. They knew that the Messiah would come where it says, And the Lord whom they ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple. So they knew that the Messiah would come. Who just cleaned house in the temple? This is no ordinary man. He's unique. He's different. And they began to question themselves. Could this be the Messiah? They were looking for a sign and Jesus told them the sign would be the resurrection from the dead. You want to tell me what your religious leader has done compared to conquering death? What did he do? What did Muhammad do that caused the Muslims to follow him? What's the sign of his authenticity? What about Buddhism? What did their leader ever do? Did he ever conquer the grave? Is he still in the grave? What did he ever do? You're, you name one religious leader, one founder of a religious movement. You name one leader of a nation or any other organization that can prove his authenticity by conquering the grave. He said, here is the sign. I'm going to let you tear me down. Crucify me. Now I'm going to let you put me in a tomb. But I'm going to build it back. I'm coming out of there three days and three nights later. And the resurrection of Jesus says, I am the eternal Son of God. I have the authority to forgive sins. Who else has done that? Has the founder of your religion done that? Is your hope based on someone who is still in the grave? Is your hope in the one who went to the grave and cleaned it out? Our, our Lord lives. And that proves He is the Son of God. Well, as Baptists, we can confidently and triumphantly sing in Christ alone. In Christ alone who took on flesh fullness of God in hell, bless babe, 
he came to say, till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied, for every sin on him was laid, here in the death of Christ I live. Not only can we sing that verse, but we can also sing the next one. There in the ground his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain, then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again, and as he stands in victory, since curse has lost its grip on me, for I am his, and he is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. Jesus would challenge you in your religion. Your religion cannot handle the challenge of scrutiny of the Lord. You've got the wrong religion. You need Jesus. Jesus came and gave His life for you. Do you know that Jesus came and talked about the temple and He was at the temple? Then He talks about His body as being the temple. Did you know that Jesus made up made the temple unnecessary? You don't have to go to the temple in Jerusalem to worship. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Do you know what? Every once in a while, more often than I want to admit, especially to you folks, I need the Lord to come into this temple and clean house. Sometimes there's stuff that gets into the temple that defiles it. Some stuff gets into the temple that's not of God. What Jesus did on Temple Mount to a brick and mortar temple, I need Him to do that to my temple. Have you felt that? I want us to stand together. Bow your heads and close your eyes. As a child of God, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. As a child of God, Christ is in you. Sometimes we get dirty. Sometimes things are messy and we need the Lord to come in and do a work in our temple to clean it up, to reprioritize what's important and what's not. That's the case in your life today. Would you let the Lord do that? Why don't you come down here this morning and let Jesus clean our house. I'm going to do that today.
Will you join me? If you've never received Jesus as your Savior this morning, listen, He loves you. He demonstrated His love for us by dying for us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus died for you even though you're a sinner. He died burying your sins. The curse that is on your shoulders can be lifted today. Today you can be saved. You can receive Jesus into your heart and your body. will become a temple of God. Will you believe on Him today? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank You, Lord, for this day. Thank You, Lord, for showing us how that sometimes the temple needs to be cleaned out. Sometimes our religious practices get away, get in the way of a right relationship with you. Dear Lord, I just pray that you would cleanse us today. Cleanse our lives, cleanse our bodies, cleanse our church. Dear Lord, if there's anyone here today that's never been saved, I pray that they'll make that decision this morning. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.